Hey, what up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and sports. On this week's episode, actually, and for all future episodes, we now have a permanent panel. Please welcome, um, first up, we've got Jennifer Shung. Hey, hey, what's up, all you cool Asians and non-Asians? <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. Um, we've got Leonard Chan. Hey, I am drunk on moonshine, so that's good. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, we've got our youngest panelist, but probably one of the highest IQ people I've ever met, is Sebastian D. Chow. Good to see you all. Okay, great. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not making a crazy comment. <laughs> We've never met. You can come up with something a lot better than I. Listen, he he didn't warn me that he was just gonna say something like that. That's uh, crazy. Uh, <laughs> typical Asian, not good at taking yeah. compliments. You're you're gonna have to get used to it because um, you you are quite quite terrific, which is why you're on the permanent panel. So first of all, let's have a hand for all of you for um, being on the permanent panel. Okay, that's a very very silent clap. During the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we've got three topics we're going to go over today. First, we're going to talk about, um, you know, wet markets. What are they? Why are people confused? Why are people using the misunderstanding of wet markets and eating of wild food to uh, discriminate against Asians? So we will get into that. We'll also talk about the hottest news in Toronto right now. Um, the 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 uh, the uh, large gathering of people on Saturday at Trinity Bellwoods Park um, during a pandemic where there were just loads of people and we will talk about the ramifications of that what we think and then finally we'll end the show like every show we will we will uh, be spotlighting an Asian creator, um, an Asian artist who's telling temp- some type of story. So this week we are highlighting Aquafina and her movie, The Farewell, that won a Golden Globe. So starting on our very first topic, wet markets. So recently wet, <laughs> wet markets came into the news because Brian Adams was saying some crazy thing about bat-eating effing Chinese wet market greedy i don't even know what he was saying but virus making greedy bastards that was the part that really got me the greedy <laughs> bastards part yeah <laughs> yeah because we all it was good up until that yeah. point it's like i don't now you I got don't do with the greedy bastards part has to do with anything here exactly. I mean, now you're just bringing money into it and it's yeah. like come on yeah, i mean we love money but come as on. much as we would love <laughs> that part, yeah yeah and so you like, know that's what the, it was the truest part and so so what one thing with this topic and it is one of our creeds here at rice asian comedy podcast is don't hate educate so instead of just calling brian adams a racist for 20 minutes let's talk about wet markets and what the hell is a wet market and i have to admit being somebody who has never been to china but who loves chinese food i do not know what a wet market is so let's first um throw it over to jennifer who lived in china for over a decade have you been to a wet market do you know what they are give us the lowdown for people who are like what the hell is this wet market shit okay so a wet market is basically a place where you go um and there are so many hot people that you like <laughs> And you just want to eat watermelon with your bare hands. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. That's not what a wet market is. But you think with people like that, it would be more appealing, right? No, 
wet market is basically any kind of if you've been to Kensington Market, that's basically a wet market for like hipsters. Okay, um, <laughs> it's just food, produce, meat, seafood that is sold out in the open air. It's not like your Loblaws or your Whole Foods where you've got like a structure or like an encasing. And a lot of the times, the meat is just sitting out there. I remember going to a famous one in Beijing. They're especially popular in the summer, where like slabs of chicken beef dong, whatever, like beef dong, <laughs> on hooks. And you see flies and they're swatting it away with flies. The smell is very invasive, but, you know, the grocery, like the they sell vegetables and fruits too, and it's very healthy and fresh. And a lot of people depend on these markets because they're so much cheaper than going to, in, in Beijing, they have a place called Jalafu, which is Carrefour. It's a French company mm. that just kind of came in and is basically like the Costco of China. Um, <laughs> substantially cheaper. And you can bargain at these markets. So it is a long-time tradition of a lot of Asian markets. There you nice. go. You can no. bargain with these greedy bastards. Uh, <laughs> well, because, I, I think they call them wet markets because when the, yeah. the they have the, the stuff on ice and the ice melts and then you get like uh. water on the floor and that's why they're called wet markets. Either that or it's just a lot of like animal fluids it's, yeah it's only like perishable stuff like meat right no yeah. no, no, no 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 they have everything but everything. it's distinguished by the fact that there is meat at these places mm. uh so that's kind of like the big thing but there's a difference between wet markets and wildlife markets yeah so wet markets they've been conflated the thing that brian mm. adams was super mad about by the way i think we could hate a little <laughs> whilst we educate because here's the thing i loved him that's most annoying thing about this like i was literally like playing his music on the piano because i'm fucking asian so i had to play a book like a day before this happened i was playing like everything i do for you like ah like one of the best moments in my life in 2018 i went to a taylor swift concert <laughs> and then no because yeah, i fucking love taylor swift i'm not ashamed i also in the 90s love wilson phillips but hey you know we move on and okay so she started doing a cover of Summer of 69, which already I thought was amazing. And then midway through the second verse, Brian Adams himself rose out of the stage and they duetted. And it was literally the most transcendent experience of my life. And now we're greedy bastards. <laughs> <They're really laughs> yes, burn those really records. Cuts like a, something. It cuts like something. I don't know. A knife? Uh. I don't know. Yeah, no, burn burn those records, vinyl, CDs, everything. No, I, I've actually, it, it was sad for me because I, I, I have really loved Brian Adams. I thought he was a good Canadian, but I don't know, maybe he's been touring the world too long and, and forgot his roots. But let's uh, let's throw it over to, to, to uh, Sebastian. What are your thoughts on wet markets? Have you been to them? Do you think they're an essential part of life? Do you think they're just misunderstood? Well, I grew up in the in the burbs, so I I never experienced a, pl a place where you could just go and get a live squid and uh, walk home barefoot or something. I don't know how it is. I, I assume somewhere you can get a squid and they'll sell you if you don't have shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if Oops, you get service, <laughs> as much as I think it like is is like charming or neat, uh, it is a little bit of why uh when people get down on like Chinese things like, uh, Oh, like Chinese practices or like products made in China, it's, uh, you know, it is a health hazard to the world, uh, for some of these, uh, some of these places. Oh, well, I'm more like a wildlife market really. But, uh, is, by the way, is there some like 
overlap in the Venn diagram of uh, wildlife and wet markets? Like, yeah, if, if something's a wildlife market, is it also a wet market? I think all wildlife markets are wet markets, but not all wet markets are wildlife markets. Yeah, if, okay. if, if we're doing this right, mean shit correctly. Um, I think also in China, they have like these tourist markets, like the silk market, for example, mm. where they sell touristy goods and you can bargain for like very obvious fake Canada goose jackets, LV bags, Chanel. Goose with four O's. They also have the triple A quality, you know, sorry. <laughs> no, they, they, they have this where, you know, to ask them, hey, do you have like the really good stuff? The stuff that is so identical to the real thing. And if the cops found it, it'd be like a crackdown, we need to pay some money. And that is what I think some wet markets have, is that they have like a baby rhino sitting under a table ready to be purchased or, you know, a tiger's penis or bone hair. But see, the, thing, the, thing, like, the reason why these things exist is, again, because it's all status symbol, right? It's like, oh, I want to eat a pangolin because that's status symbol, right? A tiger penis is like status symbol. <laughs> you can afford tiger dick, which, by the way, is the most ridiculous thing on the face of the earth. Like if you think that like putting tiger dick in your mouth is gonna make you more of a man, tiger, blow a live tiger. Like that would be, you'd be way more of a man. And even if it doesn't work, it, like you, at least you've made a friend for life, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, so this this definitely took a, took, took a left turn, but let's let's talk about that. So tiger dick, other wildlife, um, odd, um, exotic kind of foods. There, there has been a ban in China this week um, enacted on certain types of wildlife. Um, I'll, I'll throw it over to to Leonard on on what you think the impact of that will be. I mean, it's good. I think it's. I think we should all be eating less meat. I think like the reason why like any of this is happening, and not just this, like everything going like mad cow, Ebola, you know, H five N one. You know, Spanish it all goes back to the fact that like humanity treats the nature like a Mandarin buffet, right? And it's not just Chinese. First of all, you won't find a lot of Chinese people that are Mandarin buffet. <laughs> it's a whole white people. <laughs> find me there. I love it. So this is the thing. Like we have to have a better relationship with the environment. Like I'm as a former environmental engineer who gave up. Basically, I did this for 20 years. I tried to yeah. save the world for 20 years. I'm like, ah, there was no fucking point. Like, it's, you know, like I, this is like, I'm being more vegan. I think that's a better way for me to like try to save the world. Like, I've been making vegan cheeses all week. This is like where I'm at in my quarantine. But like, I feel this is hopefully this is what people realize. I don't really, wow. I'm pretty cynical about this now. Like, I don't think anybody's going to change, but. No. Oh, well, it, it sounds like a part of Brian Adams's eat vegan message has gone through to you, Leonard. <laughs> Maybe subliminally oh, through, through his music. <laughs> his defense. He was like, I was doing it for the vegans. In <laughs> oh, his defense, if you looked at his, like on Twitter, it was truncated. <laughs> if you looked at his Instagram, it was clearly a vegan thing. But at the end of the day, like, look, I don't fit. I honestly don't think Brian Adams meant to be racist, but if you have that many people watching you all the time and you don't put in the effort to not appeal to racists, you're still fucking up. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, you know, I've, 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 I've got a question here, um, and I'll, I'll throw this back to, to Jennifer because you have, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you did live in China for, for 10 years. And has the white listeners, I, I, I am assuming we have some white listeners, um, would like to know, do Chinese people <laughs> or husbands? You mean yeah. all the people we're dating? <laughs> no half comments. of them. Yes, the uh, the half of Sebastian that goes to Mandarin for buffet um, <laughs> is clearly the the white half. Um, but it is with my white families for Christmas when I go there. <laughs> <laughs> not surprised. Not surprised. It's, it's their way of showing that they support you. Um, in a very odd way, but anyway, before we, we before we we dig too far into your personal um, um, uh, history, uh, let's go go back to Jennifer and answer the question that all white people are wondering right now, which is: Do Chinese people actually eat dogs? And do you think this wildlife ban, or I guess maybe dogs aren't wildlife; they're domestic life. But uh, what what do you what what do you think about the stigma of Chinese people eating dogs? Well, not all Chinese people eat dogs, but yes, there are there have been Chinese people who have eaten plenty of dogs, 10,000 a year to be exact, if you trace it back to the annual Yuling Guangxi, the lychee and dog meat eating festival. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, I like lychee. Well, you, know, you know what? I get 50% of that festival. I love lychees. <laughs> Sweet and savory. I don't know. Um, their argument is that Dogs. Dogs are like pork and cattle. What's the difference? Um, I don't know. You name one of them and I guess the rest of the world has a relationship with it. But when I first came, went to China in 2006, I was in this part of Beijing that was pretty like foreign heavy. It was kind of a mix. And I saw a guy in a little tuk-tuk and he dragged like a, a cloth sack out of the back of his little like metal cabin taxi and put it on the floor. And I swear to God, I thought I was hallucinating. I saw him pull out what looked to be like dog or cat carcasses out from the bed and into the back of like an alleyway kind of restaurant. So cats too? I don't know if it was a cat. All I'm saying is it looked like the shape of a skinned dog or animal. Like it didn't look like you don't do that to like a little sheep or lamb. Like it, it just immediately my thought was, wow, that's like a dog. Like they're eating dog meat here. But with this festival, it started in 2009 and there is some superstition with it. And I think animal rights activists are upset because they claim that like the people, the organizers of the festival are like, oh, the dogs don't get hurt. But there is serious documentation that the dogs are boiled alive to enhance the flavor of the meat. And there are so many with, you can't just be like, let's ban exotic wildlife and animals because I think so much of this, like China is a very superstitious country with like a very rich history. And you don't know some of the deep beliefs and traditions that are, you know, still intact today. And we look at it and are like, oh, like even what was his name? Um, Paul McCartney. He was like, this is eating exotic animals. This is like, or he said, what? No, he actually got it confused. He said, what? this is medieval. It should be vegan. And I'm like, you know what else is medieval? Banking and marriage. We haven't been that. <laughs> something medieval? Like, it's medieval. It's stay in place because people still adhere to them for whatever cultural or religious reasons. And yet we, we have kosher meat at Costco. You know what I mean? We don't have 
tiger dick bone marrow because it's not like <laughs> everyone's doing it out in the open. But I'm trying to say there's a similarity to that. So we can't just be like, yeah, fuck it. It's crazy because there are things that we don't understand that I don't understand. Like, and I'm a Chinese, so. Just, just because they believe it doesn't mean it's right. Like, yeah, we have to acknowledge other people's beliefs. We don't have to agree with them. If you're a Jihadist terrorist, if the people in Europe do not. Like, I don't think, you know, like, yeah, like they believe in it, but that doesn't make it right. Correct. People believe, like right now, they're opening churches in the, in the States because they believe that worshiping is essential. I'm like, dude, God gave you brains. All right, okay, hold on. Would you rather prevent churches from opening or stop this, the wildlife markets for this? Duration. Okay. Markets because we need to save animals. I don't give but, a fuck about. <laughs> but just this, just for the duration of this, uh, this quarantine. No, fucking close wildlife markets uh, forever. Let the you know whatever. I mean, churches do what they do. Like, I mean, I don't have a problem with religion. Like, I feel like it's, you know, it helps people. But like, it, but it's not really different from superstition. Does it help people more than rhino dick pills? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I, I, I I do want to chime in here because, you know, when people talk about about eating dogs and it's exotic and you're boiling them alive for whatever, like, I don't really see how that's different from Westerners boiling lobsters alive. Those were once exotic animals as well. So it's just about, you know, what, what your perspective is. And nobody, no animal rights activist is going around trying to save the lobsters. Like, it's horrible. They are boiled alive, and it is to preserve. So, you know, just sort of take take a look. I would actually say for me, what disturbs me most about, you know, the Western thoughts on food and what you should eat and what's okay to eat and looking down on other people to eat isn't so much what animals they eat, but even when people eat animals, it's the part of the animals that they're willing to eat. Like they'll they'll eat beef, um, you know, different parts of the cow, but then they'll really look down on Chinese people or other Asians for eating, you know, tripe or cow tongue or chicken's neck. And like when 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 I was growing up, I was you know, we would go to a farm and buy whole animals. Like we would go buy a whole cow and you're not going to buy a cow to only eat part of it. You're not going to buy a chicken to only eat part of it. So for me, it's just more this attitude of looking down on what other people eat. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty hypocritical. And for me, I actually like, for me, this is a, a, a really, this is a really important thing for me. Like when I was dating, I actually used to have what I called a chicken wing test because, you know, I grew up in like the ghetto of Winnipeg and this is sort of like my, you know, are you hood or, or are you not hood? You know, like Beyonce, like I need a soldier. And for me, the reason, the way that I could figure it out is I would always take them to eat chicken wings. And if somebody's all like, oh yeah, I'm all Eminem, I'm all hood and shit, you take them to eat chicken wings, the ones who grew up privileged will take one bite of that chicken wing and like throw it behind their back like fucking Rocket Robin Hood. Or this one guy actually ate his chicken wing with like goddamn a fork and knife because he said he doesn't like to touch food with his hands. So for me, it's like, <laughs> it's just like this weird, crazy attitude about food and how like you're so above it and you can only, you know, like... No, you're eating a dead animal. Like, let's just calm down. Like, you're not better because you won't eat, like, the stomach lining. So, okay, that was, like, my one of my big, big rants for the day. But it does actually lead into a topic, which is, you know, we're talking about, like, these exotic foods. So there's a lot of 
types of food, animals, or parts of animals that Westerners won't eat that as Asians we eat. Um, and what is the most delicious exotic animal or exotic part of an animal that you eat that you think that Westerners are just really missing out because it is super delicious. Let's um, first go over to Sebastian and hopefully you don't mention something from the Mandarin buffet. Oh yeah. Yikes. Uh, well, I, I gotta be honest, not, not that much. There's like uh, I don't know, I'll eat an octopus or like a surf clam, but that's like sushi is really like Westernized now. Um, yeah, it's so westernized that people eat sushi with chopsticks here. I remember I was on a date and I ate sushi with my hands, which is how they eat sushi in Japan. And I got shamed by my date saying that I was like a barbarian. And I was like, actually, no, that's how they eat it in Japan. And then... Hey, really? Did yeah. your date take like one bite of the sushi and throw it over his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it actually is how they eat in Japan. But he was so intent on being right instead of having a good date that he called the server over who, you know, still had a very thick <laughs> Japanese like accent. From, I think yeah, this is, yeah, this reminds me of uh, something from like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you know... Like, and, no, and, no, you're eating it wrong. In Japan, they don't use that. Yeah. They use their they use the fingies. Yeah, but like, they you know... Pick to, it right up. To be on a date with, you know, a non-Asian guy in an Asian restaurant trying to tell me how Asians eat food <laughs> and then calling over the server to try and like fact check me. And obviously the server backed me up because the server had just moved to Canada from Japan. And it was just, I don't know. It just, the answer is don't take white people to Asian restaurants if they're just going to think they know everything. Take them to Mandarin. Yeah. And, and you married him. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> okay, so let's go over to, uh, to to Leonard. What is your favorite exotic food that um, that Westerners have no idea what they're missing out on? Jellyfish, easy, so good. <laughs> what does it taste like? So, can name my album, Peanut Butter and Jellyfish. Get on it. Okay, so, <laughs> but it's so good. I love it. Like they pickle it, and it's like noodles, but like it has this. I guess like a crunchiness to it almost. Just the cap, crunchy, right? Obviously, but like when you crunch through, there's like a, it like starts rubbery and then there's like, when you bite on it and then the flavor just explodes in your mouth and it's good. So do you eat the brainsy looking stuff in the middle? You know how like there's like a little cloud inside the, the big cloud? Just the tentacles? Yeah. I mean, maybe you could eat that part. Real? I don't the tentacles. That's the only you, part I've served. I would have thought that would be the, the part that you don't eat. I mean, I don't know. I, I should try that. Because again, we shouldn't waste parts of animals. <laughs> it's like Eat the it pop all. rocks team. <laughs> it is very good. I've tried that. Also, there is um, there's something called muar, and it's like a mushroomy fungus thing. It's also a bit gelatinous. You've had it. It looks like black. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they put it in soup. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of Caucasians or non-Asians, it's not offensive. It doesn't really taste like anything, but it's like tofu, you know, like yeah. flavor that putting it in but there's one food that i eat that my husband refuses to eat even though he is caucasian and he eats way more asian food than i eat just because I, i'm very picky like i grew up on lasagna and it. um so my husband refuses to eat stinky tofu which is popular in taiwan mm. it's basically the durian fruit of tofu i guess because it really stinks from far away i just don't understand why he does that since you know he eats my vagina <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe you would have done I just mean, like, come on, you know what I mean? But I will say there is one thing that I think, and I'm not, this is the truth, okay? I used to have a joke where I'm like, I don't understand why people say, you know, Chinese people, like, eat cats. You eat know, eat like, what? I'm sorry? Know. Can you repeat that? And why people think that Chinese people, like, eat cats, okay? Because we all know Asian men don't eat pussy. It was such a stupid joke, but it's so true. Okay, maybe you, Leonard, but look. <laughs> Does it? But that's not. <laughs> my experience, I don't think Asian men, I guess you wouldn't know, but, you know, maybe, I don't know, Sebastian half the time. We don't need to turn this into a conversation about it. Sebastian eats half the pussy. <laughs> Most of the sensitivity is in the top half, so it's fun. <laughs> Okay, no. so uh <laughs> high IQ, he knows where the clitoris is. Bam. <laughs> so uh on on that note, my favorite exotic food is not pussy, of course. Um it is uh but when I was growing up, I really, really loved chicken's neck. Like we would actually fight over who would get that one chicken's neck. Like it was just really um, you know, it was it's like this tactile thing where you, you kind of chew on it and it's uh it's super good and also for the uh for the non-asians um just to explain what durian fruit is is this super smelly fruit that is well known for being atrociously smelly but also probably the most delicious thing you've ever had in your life so it's sort of like this 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 odd test like can you get through it to actually taste it I don't know. I'm sure there's some type of Chinese Just proverb. like Jennifer's coffee. Okay. Say I go to uh, I go to Chinese I go to Chinese Costco. Uh instead of like apples and oranges, what do they, what do they have? Like what's their common fruit? Star fruits. Uh mango. they got star fruits? Mangosteen is delicious. Mangosteen, lychee. What, okay. What is a mangosteen? It's kind of it's like a little pumpkin that tastes uh, like a sweet plum peach. Do yeah. you eat the rind? No. No. Okay. Hard shell in the middle. Um, what else would there be? I mean, the vegetables are awesome. There's like uh, uh, Gailan. Morning Glory. Morning Glory. Uh, Gailan. Uh, what the hell do you call that in, in English? I have no idea. They know. call it Chinese oh, I, I, broccoli, but I don't like oh, uh, Yeah, I, 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 I just call it Gailan because not everything has to be translated in terms of Westerners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, now, Westerners would disagree, but yeah. <laughs> now, Vong, I, I think you mentioned that your family purchased a whole cow. Yeah, like what we would do is, so our family and maybe two other families in our neighborhood, we would, you know, purchase a cow from a farm. We'd go to the farm. Um, usually they would put the gun to the cow's head and they let one of the kids shoot the cow to death. That was, Jesus That was Christ. me. And then they would chop the cow um, to death while we were there. Well, obviously, is dead from the gunshot wound that to I just death. shot. It. You shot him to death. You're not dead. Kill it again. They kill it again. That's a mad cow. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like and then the farmer would would chop up this cow, and then we'd each take home part of the cow, and then the whole community would come over and would we would like. Um, you know, chop up the cow into smaller pieces because cows are huge, of course. And then we would, 
you know, package them up and then every family would take home their piece of the cow and then we put it into our deep freezer and eat that for like weeks, if not months, because cows cows are really big. Like it's a lot yeah. of meat. Like I'm one curious, family. How many magic beans did the cow cost? Oh, I don't know. I never oops. Oh goodness. I never uh I never had had to pay for it. Because but we, we we would also like bring home like chickens and ducks and stuff. And like it was important for it's important for my for my family to teach us like as a kid, we had to kill the chicken, you know, because they they want you to have an appreciation of your food and to respect it when you're eating it to know this was something living. So they're not just going to like, you know, the stuff you're eating isn't just like this magical thing that comes in a package at a supermarket. No, it was a cow that you shot in the head or it was a chicken that you just, you know, I don't want to say choke the chicken, but basically obviously you have to choke the chicken, but you know, and then you're eating it. You go to the farmer, your son shoots the cow in the head using the farmer's gun. Do Mm -hmm. you have to pay for the bullet? I would hope that's a perk that comes with it, right? You know, in China, when they execute your family. Yes, yes. That's, yeah. Um, No, but Vong, you were saying that your family ate the whole cow. And I think you were onto something when you were trying to say that, like, Asian people will eat most of the carcass. And that is true, with the exception of, let's not forget, sharks and shark fin soup. Oh, oh, Jesus. That Yao Ming had um against it and it was like it wasn't until he spoke up uh that I guess the country's mentality around it really changed and the popularity of killing sharks solely for their fins diminished yeah. but I'm saying like with this whole wildlife exotic market thing um I think the answer is not to like just shut down these markets that's not gonna really happen overnight or I don't even think it's possible to do that consistently I think it's through like education or putting some standard system in place that's going to make sure that they're like safe like teach people how to be hygienic about it if they're going to do it anyway you know? now how fucked up is it that i would be more okay with uh the the harvesting of sharks if they ate the whole shark instead of just the fin yeah that i think that like they're still killing the same amount of sharks which is too many but you know you know in iceland or in some places they have these whaling festivals where they're literally just killing whales period and not really doing anything with the meat they like they ferment the meat like i've had whale meat by the way in iceland and it's not the best it's oh so, oh, so yeah and, well much bigger than a cow so much bigger than a, a lot of meat it would feed a lot of families uh <laughs> it would a lot of vikings a whale in the head with a gun i think <laughs> oh yeah one gun would not do it you need a big 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 ass gun yeah like a harpoon gun maybe I think. for sure for sure when it comes to food i just think everyone's kind of a hypocrite yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why like like and you don't like when you don't like it, then you make rules about why it's good, why it's good. It's like drugs, alcohol, and weed and cocaine. Like, why can't we have cocaine? Why can't we have cocaine? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not sure any of us are, are, are gonna top that ending. So let's uh let's <laughs> okay, let's let's wrap up this topic with uh with Jennifer's uh, let's say it all together. Why can't we have cocaine? Cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> it's better if we rehearse it beforehand, but um, yes, it, that still, was, it still worked. That was the whole lesson. Wet markets, exotic foods. Just stop yeah, the good, people. The good have wet cocaine. Markets cocaine. <laughs> no. uh, but not wet cocaine, because that's 
the no, it'll dissolve. <laughs> I okay. assume it dissolves. Um, our yeah, oh, nothing to gain to know what happens when you get away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our second topic, um, after an hour on our first topic, so our second topic is the craziness happening in Toronto. I don't know, maybe I'm living in a bubble in Toronto, but it's the biggest story here. I don't know if it's gone viral in other places in Canada or North America. I do think it's on the national news. But in Toronto, um, if you haven't seen the videos or the photos yet, you know, there, there's this park in Toronto, a popular park called Trinity Bellwoods Park. And, you know, hundreds of Torontonians, maybe thousands, descended onto this park. There were videos everywhere. People were not physical distancing. They only had six cops um, and thousands of people. So obviously the cops weren't able to enforce anything. Um, everybody's been tweeting about it. Everybody's been posting their opinions. And so first, I'll head over to um, to to Jennifer. What are you know? Um, what are your thoughts about Trinity Bellwoods Park and everybody congregating there? Is this a bad look for Toronto? Yeah, it's definitely our think normally. Uh, it it kind of looks like everyone's gathered there for like Fire Festival Part Two, and I honestly think that it's just a bunch of horny twenty-year-olds because most of them were twenty. The newspaper said. And they're just gathered there because they couldn't stop not physically seeing each other. Like everyone's on dating apps, right? And they can't hook up now. So they're like, let's, you know, run into each other coincidentally at the park. Like it used to be you go to malls to pick up people. So going to the park was just like catching some meat, like trying to definitely I really think horniness is the reason for why there was a gathering. I used to think it was the Queen Queen's Park uh, protesters, but I think like in CP24, they kept running the same people that they interviewed, which was literally two stoned guys from one group. <laughs> because everyone else was just too embarrassed to like, they didn't want to get caught and be like, yeah, I'm here. So not. they knew they were doing something. One of the uh, photos that has been widely circulated on Twitter, like front and center, I was like, I fucking know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a comedian. I'm not going to mention his name, but oh, dear God. Oh, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Like he... Like he, him. This, these people are the reason I'm going to be unemployed for the rest of my life. Like, name, name. <laughs> name, name, name. Ah, I'll tell you guys afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I read in the in the CBC report that there was there were people defecating on the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, defecating, if, urinating. Listen, the, if I'm allowed outside on the first day, that's not on the list. <laughs> it's like it's way way down the list. Like, it's not day one. Not not a day one activity. Yeah, how is you know? So just to give some context um, for for those not in Toronto, you know, me not trying to 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 explain it. Obviously, I'm for physical distancing, and we are in a pandemic, all that kind of stuff. But it was kind of the first nice summer day we've in Toronto. Um, people were just finally getting out. Toronto's also in phase one of reopening, so we're not in a total shutdown. This might bring us back to a total shutdown, um, but also to paint the picture, you know, the cases in Toronto had been going down, um, or at least trending in the right direction. And in the past few days, I think, um, I think the past three or four days in a row, it's gone up now. We've got 468 cases. So it's definitely going the wrong direction. I think this is fueling some of this resentment toward the people who went to, uh, to Trinity Bellwoods Park. But let's, let's uh, go back 
to Leonard and how, how do you feel about, about these people congregating? They're not good. <laughs> like, you know what this is like? Like, I feel like we're doing like, a, isn't like back in school when we're doing a group project and then like the smart, responsible kids, usually the Asians, were like trying to do all the work so that we get a good grade. And then these like motherfuckers, like they're just slacking off and they're like, who cares? Let's have fun and it'll be fine because everybody else is doing the work. No, man, like this is pass fail motherfuckers like if you guys don't if you guys if we don't all pull together like i can't quarantine a harder like are you fucking kidding me like it's very upsetting that my career is going to be ended by ultimate frisbee like it's <laughs> <sighs> yeah i've got to say okay so just to play devil's advocate like i will reiterate don't send me actually send me hate mail i i, I like i love all kinds of fan mail but um just to play <laughs> devil's advocate i do think for me, it's unrealistic when you have a city this large that has very few public spaces um, compared to basically any major city. Every square inch of Toronto has been built into a condo. So we have very few public spaces. Um, people don't really know where to go, so they're just going to go to the biggest park. It's the first time they've been allowed to go out because, um, like I said, we're slowly reopening. And... Um, you know, and and the weather is nice for once. The just just the the one point of view I, I will give is I feel like when you have people dealing with um, a pandemic for the first time in their life, the first time in a hundred years, I feel like they need guidance. I don't think you can just tell them, you know, stay home or everybody's gonna die of a pandemic. I feel like it's almost like teenage sex. Like you can't just tell people to be celibate. You know, you have to give them guidance. If you're going to go out, if you're if you need to go out, here's the different places, you know, maybe even put out a notice saying, you know, go to smaller parks, go to, you know, these different areas. I feel like if you don't give any guidance and then you just sort of publicly shame people for, for doing things, I'm not really sure that that's going to help the situation either. So uh, how how do you feel about that, Jennifer? Um, I bring up good points or am I just full of shit and worthy of hate mail? No, you are right. Where you're right is that I don't think the government anticipated that people would congregate that much. I think that they uh, their expectations of people were too high. Like, apart <laughs> means six feet apart. People know that. But they were clearly breaking the rules. And that's why today, if you look at the images of Trinity Bellwoods today, it was like, you know, Leonard, you mentioned Tiananmen Square. Like, they finally took a page out of the communist handbook and was like, let's arm this park and make sure no one's getting in. Like, yesterday, they were ill-equipped. They couldn't do it. Yeah. Just no, but, but six police officers? No, we need like 17 tanks. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think the government did give guidelines. Like all through last weekend and this weekend, we had active TO. They closed the lakeshore. We took our kids biking there and they were like opening up lanes so that people could safely be active outside. This is like four kilometers one way and back. People were complaining about the traffic. You know, so there, the government was trying to do something and is trying to guide people. I just think people are selfish and stupid. Yeah. Well, I think I think also you're saying they're all 20 year olds, right? So I kind of understand because they're all living in basements. So okay. <laughs> I am literally living in a basement. 
You're going to be in the basement. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm broadcasting live from the basement. Oh, okay, uh, so now, so let's just, let's 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 hear from our 20 year old. How does it feel yeah. to live in a basement during a pandemic? And do you relate to these uh, to these um, awful twisted people who went to uh, who went to Trinity Bellwoods? People who should be uh, castrated. Yeah. Um, how right. how, do, how do you uh, feel about your generation bringing yep. shame upon our city? Chop them up, serve them at a wet market. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was walking my dogs yesterday, uh, and I went. Uh, there's like a park near near where I live, and there just tons of people like crowded. No one wearing masks. Clearly, just like friends hanging out outside, uh, and it was very very disheartening. I was wearing a mask, and I had I had uh, two attack dogs chasing people at my perimeter, so I was good. Uh, <laughs> but there were tons of like groups of uh, young people just hanging out. Uh, just meandering, playing ultimate frisbee. They did that. The shirtless ultimate frisbee. That's that's definitely happening. Ugh. Yeah, you know, one one thing I, I want to ask is, you know, um, there there have been a lot of Asian countries that have handled the pandemic fair, fairly well, quite quite a bit better than um than some of the the Western countries. And and you know, obviously, I feel like we see maybe the worst example ever is what's happening in. In the U.S., and there, there is sort of this this perspective in the um, um, in the East mentality versus West mentality, which is you know, as Asians, you know, except for maybe um, maybe maybe uh, Sebastian, um, I'm not sure which um, side of your culture took over while you're growing up, but growing up as Asians, we were it was like pounded into our head: community before self, community before self. You are part of a greater whole. And, you know, heck, this was like the central conflict in Crazy Rich Asians, right? It was like East versus West is like self versus community. Whereas in Western culture, and especially in the U.S., the main ideal, if not the main goal in life, is the pursuit of happiness, which is individual happiness, you know, mm -hmm. self above others. If you can attain individual happiness, that's like the main goal in your life, which you know, so I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, you know, we've seen two extremes. We've seen, you know, Asian countries like um, like um, like South Korea, um, 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 Taiwan really handle this. Was that mentality helpful um, versus what's happening in, in, in the U.S.? And also, um, if we want to bring Canada into this, where does Canada fit? We're not as extreme as the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. And we're not as much about total community as, um, as as Eastern countries. Have we found the right balance? Or does the Trinity Bellwoods thing show that we're just as crazy as the rest of the world? Let's let's head on over to, to Leonard for this one. That photo on the, the Trinity Bellwoods photo and I was counting the minorities. <laughs> it was like, me. So I'm like, yeah, uh, I see. I think I see what the problem is here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just it's, it's entitlement. And I, and I look, I'm not going to blame any particular race. I think it's age and entitlement, mm. you know, and I'm not like not to say that millennials are all entitled because some of them are, are pretty good. And they, and they have struggles that they're dealing with, obviously, like, you know, they're promised a much better economy and a much better future than they that they actually got. So they're like struggling and they're doing pretty well and making up jobs that shouldn't exist in any other situation. Hey, relax, I'm not going to hang you or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but here's the thing, like 
Yeah, like I, I feel like, I think Vong, you're right. Like it's a community thing. Like I never once did I say to myself, oh, I, like I never thought to go out. You know what I mean? Like I never considered it. Like, I mean, but it helps that I'm in, I'm in my forties. You know, like Saturday night, like it's great to not go out. I only ever went out to work. Like I only ever went out to do comedy. That's like, you know, and I'm in a basement now, but like it's a basement that I don't live in, Sebastian. It's a, <laughs> it's a basement below a home that I own, uh, which, hey, don't hate it. Like, here's the thing. I didn't pursue my dreams for 20 years. I should get something out of it. So <laughs> I don't feel, I don't feel the need to have to go out. So I don't really, I don't understand this where you guys are coming from necessarily because i don't feel cooped up like it's a big house i have a backyard that's nice like i have you know like i have cats i have my wife like i have netflix i have pretty freaking good internet so it's like i don't have to go anywhere and i don't have the energy to go anywhere quite frankly so i think i i get my even i, I my mom was saying to me last night my mom was like i feel bad for all the young people I'm almost like we're in our 70s and like, we don't have to go anywhere. And I was like, yeah, I'm in my 40s. I don't have to go anywhere. But the young people. Yeah. And I get it. You guys have a lot of energy. And it's really like the need to fuck. <laughs> I don't need to fuck anymore. I don't care. I'm married. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fucking. Like, it's, I, I'm done. I'm done with it. Like, if I needed to fuck, I'd be out. <laughs> okay. I, I vaguely remember, like, oh. we weren't supposed to swear. And then we just completely threw it all out the window. <laughs> Wait, we're not supposed to swear? Oh no 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 no! This is totally uh, e for explicit as far as we we goes. crossed the if if we were gonna do that we crossed the the bridge. Yeah, a while I, ago. I think, oh, yeah. I well, think we yeah. crossed it when we started talking about what was it? Rhino testicles? I think we uh, yeah we officially yeah. jumped we're pretty out early. I think we made it like five minutes. <laughs> tofu vagina, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and Jennifer's vagina too. Um, so let's uh let let's let's wrap let's wrap up this topic. Um, maybe some final thoughts from first Sebastian and then over to Jennifer. Uh, people shouldn't be out like that. It's, it, you know, it's not good, but it's in Canada, it's much better than basically anywhere else. Like there's very few places that are better than us right now. And this, this is just like a few too many people went to a park at the same time. It's pretty tame com uh, in comparison to um, like storming the Michigan yeah, uh, government buildings with with AR-15s or some, uh, you know, it's they they weren't even protesting. I know we didn't talk about the the protest analogies uh, yet, but uh, it's it was pretty benign. Uh, I mean, aside from the detrimental effect on society as a whole, but it could have been much worse. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with Sebastian. I think that Canada, we just have such a great reputation for upholding the law and being model citizens that when we do something even slightly like, oops, out of line, like sneaking out of our window at night, the world watches like, ah, oh, look at the perfect daughter. She's a blah, you know, like it's just that kind of mentality. And I do think that a lot of it was young people feel that they are immune to it. There is still that thought that only old people get it, when in actuality, I think 27% of the people that have died in Canada have been between the ages of like 25 and 39. So it isn't just killing old people, but maybe in these young people's minds, they're like a superhero because I'm an embryo, you know? So maybe they felt like they weren't at risk and that's what brought them out. Um, I think that if this happened in the U.S., yeah, and the, let's say the government did something to stop it, the next day, 
you watch, they'll be back with like pickaxes and guns and be like, no, we want a party. We want a drinker. You know, like it would be, it would be a shit show. So just for haircuts. Yeah. I second what you say. Haircuts. Right. Okay. We, we are, there is Queens park, but I think a lot of those people are saying they have this uh, conspiracy theory mentality, which is all the governments of the world are, conspiring against us to control us because they want this one world dictatorship which if you think about one world one dream where did that slogan come from <laughs> Jing, Jing, 2008. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> just for some context for our non-toronto listeners queen's park is where the toronto legislature um where the provincial government um where the provincial government takes place in Ontario. And uh, Leonard, any final thoughts on this topic? Any messages for the millennials out there who were <laughs> out at Trinity Bowie? I understand where you're coming from. Like if I was 20, yeah, I would have thought the same. I would be like, I am invincible. Because uh, I remember I was actually, uh, when SARS happened, I was in my 20s. So I was like, whatever, man. You know, and like back when the Spanish uh, flu happened, I was in my 20s. So... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I felt invincible and I was like, nothing's going to hurt me. But I, above all, like I respect science, man. Like I, have, and I know it doesn't take much to set everything back. Like look at South Korea. One dude went clubbing. That's it. Second lockdown. And at the end of the day, like we just, ha we have to do this one lockdown right. Because if we have a second lockdown, it's going to be so much worse economically. It's going to be so much worse for everybody. Mostly me, but it's good course for so many. Very self-interested over here. <laughs> Everybody, stay, stay safe, stay healthy. I wouldn't want you to get hurt and impact my money-making potential. Exactly. Now <laughs> yes. you get in the greedy bastard. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Yes, bad so. eating, <laughs> greedy bastard. Uh, <laughs> Brian Adams is right the whole time. Um, yes. Okay, so now that we've learned our lesson on that topic, let's go to our final topic of the day so um, or of the week. At, at the end of each episode, you know, one of the creeds of this podcast is to sell is to celebrate Asian voices from around the world. And this week's Asian voice that we want to celebrate is Aquafina and her Golden Globe win this year for The Farewell. So all of us have watched The Farewell um, over this past weekend, or at least for me, I'm, I'm a procrastinator, so I just watched it. I think everybody else had watched it earlier. But let's head on over to, to Jennifer. What did you think of The Farewell? Was it a good movie? Did it remind you of China? Was it authentic? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the film. I thought they did a really good job. And I think it has to do with the fact that the filmmaker is from Beijing. And so everything portrayed in the film didn't feel like it was some TV like archetype of Chinese stereotypes that even like Crazy Rich was full of it. But I was just happy because it was like putting us in the mainstream. And we, we don't have a film that does that. You know, the, the last one was maybe the Joy Luck Club. And that was way more accurate and way more substantial than Crazy Rich Asians. So to me, The Farewell was like, you know, a second coming of that type of film that is getting the acclaim it deserved. And I thought Aquafina was great in it acting wise. And I think it really touched on the very different 
values between Eastern culture and Western culture. What is wrong versus what is right? Tradition versus modernity. And there was even a conflict. There was one part in the movie where um, the family members, like the ones that had immigrated to the United States, were trying to bestow their newfound values on their which basically means like their country bumpkin family members that have lived in China the whole time, like basically schooling them like, oh, what do you know? You've lived in China the whole time. I'm in America now. I'm better than you. And this is how it's done. You, you know, uncivilized cow or whatever. And you just see that dynamic. And it's really interesting because that is the reality. Like the people that leave Asia, leave China, have this Western perspective and it's not right or wrong. It's just okay, I see things differently now, you know? So I thought it was a very good balance of showing that. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me, this is um, semi-off topic, but it's similar sometimes when people leave an area, like, you know, I grew up in, in Winnipeg, which is like the murder capital of Canada, and it, it's just a very violent place. Um, and so when people leave, like, the Winnipeg ghetto, and they are a success. Usually when they go back, they really look down on everybody who's still there. Um, so there's this mentality of like, when you leave, you just go back and think that you're beyond it, which is like kind of a are ridiculous mentality. What? Are you included in that, Vong? No, I, I, I quite love Winnipeg. And one of the things that actually get, gets me upset is when I run into a fellow Winnipegger in Toronto. And the first thing they start doing is shitting on Winnipeg. And I was like, you know what? If it wasn't for my comedy career, which literally, you know, and the the Winnipeg comedians who who are on my on my social media are going to hate me for saying this, but you can't really have a comedy career out of Winnipeg. You kind of need to be on on either east east or west coast, like realistically, if you want to be a working professional. So if it wasn't for that, I, I would totally the Winnipeg, Winnipeg comedy scene is getting really good. Like I was just like before this all happened, like I was back like there. It's, it's really building like a nice little fringe type of community. It's 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 actually good. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not saying the talent yeah. isn't there. I'm saying because so, and I, I won't stay on this too long. So it's it's not the 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 topic of the movie. But the thing is with Winnipeg, you know, it, it's really good for like underground culture scene, really big um, indie music scene as well. You know, we've got the Winnipeg Comedy Festival that's really strong um, with uh, Dean Jenkinson leading that. He's, he, he's, he's a great comedian. Um, but for me with Winnipeg, you're minimum nine hours drive from the closest city, which is Regina. So it's just, it's, kind of unrealistic to have that as your home base and you know you would think because it's close to both it's in the middle of the country so you can get to both coasts um but you're kind of just hedging your bets you kind of really have to choose one or the other are you going to be a you know a toronto new york um london comic or are you going to be a vancouver seattle san francisco la comic like it's kind of tough to really make a, a career. So that's more what I'm saying. It's just more the geography of Winnipeg. It's just very tough to be, you know, if, if you're driving nine hours for your lucrative gig in Regina, like that's not going to sustain a career or a 24 hour drive to Toronto. It's just not, I don't know. And for those who aren't comedians, generally you have to drive because the gigs will pay you less than the cost of a plane ticket. So realistically, you're not going to be jet setting your tour everywhere. So anyway, 
back to the back to the the movie that was a uh, long diatribe of Winnipeg. I do love Winnipeg. Hopefully, hopefully that came through. I wasn't shitting on the Winnipeg comedy scene. I do love Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. But let's head on over to. I'm get, I'm never gonna get into that festival after this rant. Um, but now let's uh, let's go um, over to to uh, to Sebastian for your thoughts on this movie. Um, did it bring up any feelings? Does it, did it resonate with your life in, in any particular way? Okay. I thought, uh, the farewell was really good. I, uh, I, you know, I just, I really liked it. Uh, it's kind of, it's like a really melancholy movie and, uh, I've been in a little bit of spoilers here. It's, uh, it doesn't tie up neatly. And, uh, I, I kind of like that. Uh, now the, the, the grandmother, she lives in the end. And if I, like the cousin in the movie, uh, had to get married so that people to lie to uh, a dying woman that she's not dying, at the end of that, she better die. Because, you, you know, it's not like you stop being married when she doesn't die. You know, in the after credits, she lived. She can, she's, you know, continue to live. Oh. This is like a Mike, this is like a Mike Ward joke. I don't know if you know who Mike Ward is. Yeah. But he was a comedian, he's a Canadian comedian, uh, Quebec, and he did a joke about this make a wish kid. Yeah. Dying. And then yeah. the wish kid, like, oh, wishes, and then he didn't die. And then yeah. he went to yeah. like some yeah. absurd amount of money for like making fun of his kid. But like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think you know I also did like the unpredictability at the end. Like I've 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 watched a lot of movies. I've 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 studied story and narrative, you know, for quite a while. And I was for sure. I was like, I know what's gonna happen. I was like, it's gonna end with a twist that the grandma clearly knew the whole time. Like it just felt they were building to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was clearly is gonna be. She knew the whole time and she's playing along so that everybody else wouldn't have to feel bad or or whatever she you know especially when they talked about how she, that's what she had done for her husband for their for their grandfather I was like, okay she clearly knows she's in this and i'll say this is gonna be the final act twist and i'm gonna hate it because it's just so obvious so i actually really liked that it didn't go there that it was like no bitch lived another six years yeah. you know but you know the thing is it kind of like it was like the science and the doctors are all like she's got terminal cancer she's gonna die and all the uh, all the people in the family were like, "It's not the cancer that kills you; it's knowing that you're gonna die from cancer that kills you." So we don't. And they were, they were right. She didn't. They didn't tell her, and she didn't die. That's the story. Never tell anybody the answer. Yeah. Doc, don't believe doctors. They're full of shit. Uh, yeah. They don't know anything. Doctor Fauci, fuck you. Yeah, eat your <laughs> rhino dick pills. They're what really save your life in the end. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, let's head over to to Leonard. What what were your general thoughts about the movie? Would you recommend it? Was it authentic? What did you think of the performances overall? No, one hundred percent recommend it because I I would recommend anything Asian because we need to prove to Hollywood that Asian entertainment is economically viable so that I can have a career. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good movie. Greedy bastard. Yeah, greedy bass. But it was a well-made movie. And the thing that really struck me about the movie is it could only be made by somebody with that lived experience. You know, like, you, you know. Except for the, the part where she was a struggling writer in New York. and not making that movie. At a, she had a night department. Yeah. The thing is, you have to, unless you live that experience, you're not going to be able to 
uh, come up with moments that are so specifically Asian um, that is, is, color the story so well. Is there a particular moment that um, that you felt was Asian that couldn't have come from a white writer who is trying to get into the brains of Asians? Um, you know, it's really more about the filmmaking itself, mm. like the things they focus on. Um, let me give you an example that's not from uh, not from The Farewell, but uh, it was from Fresh Off the Boat. So in Fresh Off the Boat, they had an Asian director to start. And then what happened is they moved. I think what happened is like uh, they were like considering hiring a white director. And look, with the Asian director, like they knew like when they came in, focused on the shoes, you know, because you take off your shoes. Like there's a whole thing. It's like the, the things you're actually focusing on. Mm in the filming of it is very specifically Asian. So uh, I, I was in the Kim's Convenience Writers Room for just a very, very short little while. And uh, we came up with a story, like my, myself and Ines Choi, who created it, like we came up with a story that I swear to God, like no, no non-Asian could have come up with this story. Like it was very, so specific to the Asian experience. It was so specific, like all the, the plot points came from very specific Asian experiences that you would never no, like you, you just have to have lived it, uh, and like the story was built around that stuff. So it's kind of like, and 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 it's so specific. But the thing about comedy and just stories in general is that the more specific you get, the more universal it becomes. Mm. So I think it's really important to have all these different voices, not just white voices, of which there are so many, but. We, ha we need like Asian voices, black voices, Indian voices, Native American voices, indig or indigenous, whatever, you know, fuck, I'm, I'm canceled. Uh, you know, all these different voices because that's how you can truly understand the world when you have all these different perspectives in your head. And I think it's marvelous that a movie like The Farewell got made because 20 years ago, that movie's not getting made. Yeah. And you know, it was not getting made. And now, these movies, like they're proving that they are economically viable, which is fantastic. Like I'm going back to all the screenplays I wrote 15 years ago and rewriting them with Asian casts because now I'm like, that might actually sell it. Whereas I was like, that's the thing that would have sunk it a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think to to that point, and you know, I, I do want to give give a shout out to the director um, Lulu Wang. It was based on her real life. Um, I think she uh, wrote, wrote a book and then it got featured in, in This American Life and then it sort of took on a life of its own. So let's, uh, you know, give give congratulations. In addition to Aquafina, also to, to Lulu Wang. It's, it was a terrific story. I, I think, too, just further to Leonard's point, you know, I'm a very cynical person and I never believe that the industry would change as far as representation, except for one thing has changed my mind, which is which is um, money. And, you know, as much as you think people want to be supportive of diversity, to me, the the reason why Asians are getting cast in Asian roles instead of white people. Yeah, you really? yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's because those movies like, um, like, uh, um, like, you know, the, the one with Scarlett Johansson, Ghost in the Shell, oh. and the, the Gods of Egypt, and the, uh, you know, the, yeah. Yeah, the Peter Pan one. 
Now, when you cast a white person as an Asian or a visible minority, the movies are bombing. And to me, that's the only time where I was like, okay, things are actually going to change. Because until then, they were, I was like, okay, yeah, nobody's going to do it for, you know, the greater good. But if it's like, okay, cast white person, movie bombs, I was like, okay, this might actually get us somewhere. Yeah, but the issue is like, it's not like, Yes, money is very important. It's like about because they want Hollywood's a business. It's show business. They want to make money, but at the same time, there is so much inherent racism in the system. So for people to get to the point where they can prove to them that they can make money is very difficult. Like so, the barrier for minorities to get to that point is so much higher. Like there's yeah. going to be like a billion Ryan Gosling movies, and they're going to make those whatever. But like. You know, like for us to, 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 you know, we can't be at the same level of mediocrity. Like we yeah. cannot be. Like they can make a hundred mediocre white movies and they will continue to do that. But if we ever get those chances, like when we get to make movies, like those movies have to be fucking transcendent. Like we cannot be mediocre, you know? And what a luxury that would be to be mediocre. You know how hard, how much work <laughs> it is to be excellent all the time? It's, it's, it's They want us to be, want they want it to be, be parasite or they don't want to see it. Exactly, 100%. That's exactly it. Like it has to be, it has to be. Otherwise it's like, why are we even watching? Yeah, yeah I, I, I would say, I would say too. So on, on two of those points, I think, you know, there, there are times where, you know, like you're saying, it's not all about money. There's this inherent racism. And one thing I, I want to put in there, too, is like, you know, the big argument that people make is, you know, oh, if you cast these these stars, it's going to make more money. Um, so you can't cast an unknown Asian actor. And, you know, that that's already problematic because, you know, as, as Leonard mentioned, if somebody doesn't get a chance, how do they become that star? But actually even taking it outside of that argument on just the inherent racism side, when you are casting a movie called The Chosen One, where it's like a Chinese kid who rises up to learn Kung Fu and you still cast an unknown white kid, don't tell me it's because he has more box office draw. Come on, people. So it's not just about box office draw. Inherently, in the past, they did just want to hire white people for these roles, even if it was like an unknown five-year-old to play a Chinese kid for some unknown reason. And then the, um, what, what, and then the, the, the second, what was the second point you made again? I kind of lost myself after that. Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, you were, shit. uh, I'm drunk on moonshine. Remember that part? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> no, you just, you just went on, like on this rant and you had, I had a point to jump oh, no, on I it. Very, I was, I was very animated about it, but, uh, but you know, I, I've let it go. Cause no, I'm just... it's about being excellent. Like we have. Yeah. To... Oh yeah, yes. Okay. Good. Okay. So, um, jumping on that, I will say, so the reason why we started rice, so this is a podcast called rice, but it rice was started initially as an Asian comedy showcase where we ran a monthly show in Toronto. And then we ended up filming a, a concert film, um, for Chinese new year this year. And the reason why I started rice and the reason why I'm so hardcore and, you know, Leonard and Jennifer know this about me is like, it's not enough that it's a show of Asians. I waited literally until I was like the five best comedians in Toronto right now are Asian because we could not be mediocre. I'm not going to just put on five Asians and be like, 
oh, rah, rah, come support us because you'll finally feel heard. I was like, no, not only come support us, but when you come away, I don't care if you're like Asian or not, like bring your white husband or whatever. And he is going to leave thinking this is the best show he's ever seen. And until I felt that, I wasn't going to bring the show together because I was like, no, we are not going to be mediocre because we do have to do so much better. And I, I kind of... You know, so when when I when I found um, Leonard and Jennifer, this was this was um, before I had met uh, met 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 Sebastian. Um, but when I finally found Leonard and Jennifer, I was like, finally, we have the talent that I feel is enough to break through because it's not good enough to be good enough. We have to be literally like the five best in the city before it's good enough. Um, how do you feel about that, Jennifer? <laughs> um no i think i think you make a good point and i do think it uh it's a sad and unfair expectation that we have to be that much better you know um it's a report card all over again yeah i mean lucky for us it's been driven into us from an early age like the reason i speed is because i always need to be the one ahead um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. Are you sure it's not the cocaine? Are you sure it's not the cocaine? Yeah, it might be the cocaine. I, I remember that being an element that I just caused either. Uh, but I just feel like it's still going to take a long time before yeah. we get there. It, it is, and I know Netflix is having. You know, we've had Ali Wong, Aquafina, Fresh Off the Boat, and then that movie with. Um, I'd never have it ever. The half of it. Already. Yeah, to all the boys they loved. It's, it's, exactly. and But these are just like one-offs. Like it's, I just feel like there there is that, gosh, it's not a glass ceiling. What is it? A rice field made of quicksand. Yeah. I don't know. It's something. <laughs> something. The, 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 right now because this, this is what pisses me off about Canada. I love Canada. We are in so much of a better place than the U.S. We still have, you know, incidents of hate crimes against Asians, but not nearly as much as the ones I've seen in the U.S. But I just, and I'm not trying to poo on this CBC, but I'm sorry. I know, Leonard, you wrote for Kim's Convenience, but what you were like. I love the CBC. I have nothing bad to say about them. One, like besides the creator, like the one Asian or, or one of the few Asian writers that was like a revolving door of Asian writers in the writer's room. That doesn't make sense to me. And how is it on? Okay, maybe they have an Asian mom now on Working Moms, but there are not enough shows. I mean, except for Tall Boys and Kim's Convenience, every other show made and produced in Canada is white. Am I not right? No, there's, there's other. There's like Transplant. There's... I mean, there's not, there's not many, but again, there's not that many, but again, most of Canada is, is white. They're trying to appeal to the East coast. They're trying to appeal to all these things. I'm, it's not like I don't agree with you because obviously like I want there to be more diversity and I'm like, it would be nice. Uh, I mean, I, but I do understand because having been in that writer's room for Kim convenience, like any, any professional writer's room, you need people who can do the job and I get, and because of system, you know, the, like systemically, like it's it's only they've only wanted to hire white writers. Like those are the people who then get experience, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and I will say this: like when I was in that room, 
like those, the white writers who were writing for camps, like they are amazing writers. Like I was in awe of what they could do, of this, in awe of their skill and their and how they could do this. And like, they knew the voices so well. And like, even if they, even though they were writing something that was not their experience, like, you know, it's very similar to it. It's the ability to have that imagination and do it. And I was just like, I wasn't offended by anything that happened in there. And I know for sure, I'm gonna, like, Asian writers are going to yell at me for this, but like I just didn't put their whiteness against them because they were so talented. Yeah, you know, I I, I, I would say there, there's there 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 is talent, but I'll, I'll I'll sort of challenge you a little bit too, Leonard, because there are several points too where you said there there were scenes that you felt like only you and Innes could have written because you're Asian and you know as much as a white person might try they're not going to aim yeah. the camera at the shoes because they wouldn't even know to aim it at the shoes and, and and no so then yes we do need more diversity for that exact reason so that we can have these stories but I I'm not saying I agree with them I'm just saying I understand just because when you get to the production there's a lot of money involved and then it's just because more difficult but that is the barrier right so, I mean, this is the problem right now. This is the challenge for us is that we have to work our asses off to get to a point where we can, where we can prove. It's like, you know? a, yeah, sorry, Sebastian. <laughs> it, it's like trying to get into Harvard. Uh, if you're Asian, it's way harder just because they're, you know, they don't want to have too many Asians. Yeah. Well, yeah, they they're they're docking points. It's uh, I'm waiting for the, for the Supreme Court ruling on that where it's harder to get in as an Asian because. Apparently, be we, are, we have more advantageous <laughs> conditions uh, than, uh, than white people. Early. Um, <laughs> I did, it's not looking that great these yeah. days. I, I, and just to clear up my opinion on Harvard, because I do know it's a contentious topic, is I do understand that it's, it's about other minorities getting in. And I do think that other minorities in the U.S. should get preferential treatment. I just think if you're going to dock marks from Asians and Jewish people but not abolish the legacy system so that it's harder to get in as a Jewish or an Asian person than it is for other white people. I think any system that does that is completely ridiculous. And but Bong, the whole school only exists so that people like Jared Kushner can get in. <laughs> anyway, we are not to get too off topic, but I am looking forward to that Supreme Court ruling and that will likely be a future topic. And this seems like a good time to wrap up. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming in. And, you know, I just want to tell our listeners again, this is our permanent panel going forward. So um, once again, we have Sebastian D. Chow. Good to see you. <laughs> uh, Leonard, Hi, I'm not folding to your moonshine and cocaine, okay? <laughs> I'm, st I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Leonard Chan. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. This is super fun. And Jennifer Shung. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Now I'm going to pop a Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and we will be back next week. Happy Asian Heritage Month. We have one more episode during Asian Heritage Month, so be sure to come back and check us out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.